In this final episode in our series on John chapter 17, Daryl talks about the conversations that take place in sacred spaces. In the New Testament, we see many interactions between Jesus and the Father, but the most clear and defining moments are here in John chapter 17 and in Hebrews chapters 1 through 2, where we witness God finally speaking to us about His Son. Both these scriptures open our eyes to see the deep affection, trust, and union between the Father and Son. And here, Daryl invites us to consider the sacred spaces in our own lives, where we also join in on this divine conversation. This is Daryl in the final week of listening to Jesus pray for us. From a Christian point of view, all space is sacred space. Every place and every moment is sacred. For in every moment, in every place, the living triune God is somehow present. Where can I flee from your presence? Asked the psalmist. Where can I flee from your face? Answer, nowhere. Because of the coming of the Holy Spirit, all space is sacred space. But some spaces are more sacred, (laughs) or at least more clearly sacred, like the Sinai Desert, where the living God meets Moses in a bush on fire, yet not being consumed, clearly sacred space. Or like the womb of the Virgin Mary, where the Savior of the world is conceived, where the God-man is formed. Or like the Roman cross, where the Savior gives his life for the world. Or like the garden cemetery, where the Savior emerges resurrected and alive and meets Mary Magdalene and turns her whole world upside down. Or like that living room apartment in downtown Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost when the Spirit came in wind and fire. Clearly sacred space. For me, one of the most sacred spaces I know is the space created the night before he goes to the cross by Jesus as he prays in our hearing. When Jesus, the Son of God, incarnate in our flesh and blood, opens his heart to the Father. One of the most sacred places I know is the 17th chapter of the Gospel of John, where God the Son, now one of us, prays to God the Father. Clearly, sacred space. Let us now, for the fourth time, listen in as Jesus prays for us. John 17 Would you please stand for the reading of God's word? Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that the son may glorify you. Even as you gave him authority over all flesh, that to all whom you have given him, he may give eternal life. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I glorified you on the earth, having accomplished the work which you gave me to do. And now glorify me together with yourself, Father, with the glory I had with you before the world was. I manifested your name to these you gave me out of the world. They were yours, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. 
Now they have come to know that everything you have given me is from you. For the words which you gave me, I have given to them, and they received them, and truly understood that I came forth from you and have believed that you did send me. I ask on their behalf. I do not ask on behalf of the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. All things that are mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I have been glorified in them. I am no longer in the world, yet they themselves are in the world. And I come to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, the name which you have given me, that they may be one even as we are. While I was with them, I was keeping them in your name, which you have given me. And I guarded them, and not one of them perished, but the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I come to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy made full in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I I do not ask you to take them out of the world, but to keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you have sent me into the world, I've also sent them into the world. And for your sakes, their sakes, I sanctify myself, that they themselves also may be sanctified in truth. I do not ask in behalf of these alone, but for those also who believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, even as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. And the glory which you have given me, I give to them, that they may be one just as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may be perfected in unity, that the world may know that you did send me and that you love them even as you love me. Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me be with me where I am in order that they may behold my glory which you have given me. For you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, although the world has not known you, yet I have known you. And these know that you sent me. And I have made your name known to them and will make it known. That the love wherewith you did love me may be in them and I in them. The word of the Lord. You may be seated. John 17 is where we hear the son open his heart to the father as nowhere else. Nothing to compare to John 17. But this is not the only place where we hear the son speak to his father and the father speak to his son. We hear bits and pieces of this conversation at the center of the universe on many pages of the Bible. So before we hear Jesus conclude his prayer, I would like you to hear those places in the Bible where we hear the Father speak to the Son and the Son speak to the Father. We enter this relational interaction within the Trinity In Jesus' baptism, the text tells us that Jesus presents himself for baptism while he's praying. 
while he's speaking to the father. We're not told what he says, and it's probably good that we don't even try to guess what he says. But we do hear the father speak to him. The text says, a voice came out of heaven, Luke 3.22. You are my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. At the beginning of his public ministry, Jesus is told by the father who he is, my beloved son. And the father expresses his feelings toward Jesus with whom I am well pleased even before Jesus does anything. At his baptism, we hear the deep, deep affection the father has for his son. We hear similar words at the transfiguration. Again, the text says Jesus is praying. Again, we're not told what he says, and we probably ought try not try to guess what he says. But we do hear the father speak. The text says, again, a voice came out of heaven. This is my son, the chosen one. Listen to him. I was thinking about this this morning, and I think I'm right. Nowhere in the New Testament do we hear the Father give any direct command, except here. The only command the Father gives us is, listen to my Son. We are given a hearing in this interaction with the Trinity as Jesus makes his way toward Jerusalem. He had sent out 70 messengers into the surrounding villages. And when the messengers came back, they reported all the wonderful things they'd witnessed as they had announced the kingdom of God. At that very moment, says Luke, Jesus rejoiced greatly in the Holy Spirit and said, Luke 10:21, I praise you, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you hid these things from the wise and intelligent and revealed them to babes. Yes, Father, for thus it was well-pleasing in your sight. All things have been handed over to me by my Father. No one knows who the Son is except the Father. No one knows who the Father is except the Son and anyone to whom the Son wills to reveal him. That text in Luke is especially important to note because in it, Jesus speaks the way he does in John. You might know that many people make this Great demarcation between John and Matthew, Mark, and Luke. But this text shows us that even Matthew, Mark, and Luke remember the same kinds of things that John remembers. We are given another hearing of this Trinitarian conversation on Palm Sunday. In a text we read when we started John 17, on Palm Sunday, Jesus declares, The hour for the Son of Man to be glorified has come. Now my soul has become troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No, but for this purpose I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. And the text says, a voice came out of heaven with the sound of thunder. John 12, 28. I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. Now, the place where we hear the interaction between the father and the son most clearly is in the book of Hebrews. Especially chapters 1 and 2. Next to John 17, Hebrews 1 and 2 are the places in Scripture where I feel most at home. When I get discouraged, I go to either John 17 or Hebrews 1 and 2. In Hebrews 1 and 2, the author is developing the major theme of his work. The major theme is in the first verse. 
God, after he spoke long ago to the ancestors in prophets, in many portions, in many ways, in these last days, has spoken to us in his son. After speaking to humanity in all kinds of different ways, God finally and definitively speaks to us in his son, Jesus Christ. The author is celebrating the good news that there is a living God and that this God speaks to us. Revealing who he is and what he is like. Francis Schaeffer used to say, he is there and he is not silent. Now, as the author develops this, he does it in an interesting way. He helps us hear God speak, but not yet to us. He helps us first hear God speak to God. I didn't trip over my words. I meant it that way. He helps us first hear God speak to God. In chapter 1, we hear the Father speak about and to His Son. In chapter 2, we hear the Son speak about and to His Father. God speaks to us first by letting us hear God speak to God. So, chapter 1, the Father speaks to the Son. Hebrews 1.5, quoting Psalm 2, You are my Son. Today I have begotten you. Hebrews 1.5, quoting 2 Samuel 7, I will be a father to him and he will be a son to me. Hebrews 1.8, quoting Psalm 95, Of the son, the father says, To the son, the father says, Listen, your throne, O God. The father says that to the son. The father addresses the son, O God, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. Hebrews 1.10, quoting Psalm 102, Of the Son the Father says, to the Son the Father says, Listen, you, Lord. (laughs) That is the Father speaking to His Son. The Father calls His Son, Lord. You, Lord, laid the foundations of the earth. Hebrews 1.3, quoting Psalm 110, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Amazing, is it not? The Father, through the pages of the Bible, not only speaking about His Son, but to His Son. And then Hebrews chapter 2. The Son speaks to the Father. And again, the author goes back through the pages of the Old Testament... And helps us hear this conversation at the center of the universe going on in those pages. And again, it's amazing what he hears. Hebrews 2, 12, quoting Psalm 22. I will proclaim your name to my brothers and sisters. It's what he prays in John 17. I have made your name known. The Son, Jesus Christ, is the great proclaimer of the name. That is, he is the great preacher. When anyone preaches the name, he or she is participating in the preaching of the Son. It is the Son who is fundamentally preaching the name of His Father. Hebrews 2.12, again, again quoting Psalm 22, In the midst of the congregation, I will sing your praise. The Son will sing the praises of His Father. The word congregation is the word ecclesia, which the New Te- in the New Testament is used for the word church. In the church I will sing your praises. The Son will sing the praises of His Father in church. Do you realize that? 
that when we as a congregation gather in the name of Jesus Christ, the Son, He is the actual worship leader. I will sing your praise in the congregation. The Son worships the Father in our midst. And, and wouldn't you like to know what the Son is singing today? <laughs> Hebrews 2.12, quoting Isaiah 8. I will put my trust in Him. I, the Son, will put my trust in you, the Father. The Son is the great believer. He's the great preacher. He's the great worship leader. He's the great believer. Indeed, he is the only one who truly believes. He's the only one who truly trusts the Father, who trusts on our behalf. The eternal Son becomes one of us, but not just one of us. He is, he's become us. He's become the one true human. And now he offers the perfect trust we ought to offer. And Hebrews 2.13 again, quoting Isaiah 8 again. Behold, I am the children whom you have given me. Or as the NIV has it, here I am and the children you gave me. Here I am. Here I am. The Son is saying this to the Father. The Son in our humanity is saying this to the Father. The Son, now the one true human, is saying this to the Father. Here I am, here I am, here I am. Do you realize what is going on in that text? The Father is finally now getting an answer to that question he asked humanity at the beginning of history. When God came into the garden looking for Adam who had sinned and who had hid himself because of his guilt and shame, God asked, where are you? Here I am, says the son as one of us. Here I am, says the last Adam. Here I am, and here are the children you've given me. Given, it's the same verb Jesus uses in John 17. Six times, those you've given me. Here I am with my brothers and sisters that you've given me. And then John 17. Father, I ask you to keep those you've given me in your name. I ask you to keep those you've given me from the evil one. I ask you to keep those who've given me in sanctification and in truth. I ask you to give them the full measure of my joy. I ask you to help them participate in our union. Include them in our eternal union. I in you, you in me, they in me, I in them, and they in us. And then we come to the climax of Jesus' prayer. Verse 24. If I'm hearing Jesus correctly, at this point in the prayer, he takes a deep breath and says again, Father, Father, I desire. The Greek word is fellow, meaning I will. Stronger than desire. I will. This is what I will. This is the only place in the Bible where the Son says, This is what I will to his Father. Which is why many people refer to John 17 as Jesus' last will and testament. I will. Ready? Father, I want those you've given me. Ready? I will those you've given me to be with me where I am. 
uh, the emphasis in the Greek is on the those. So literally it is, Father, those you gave me, I will. Oh my. Those you gave me, I will to be with me where I am. Be with me where I am. Jesus is hearkening back to that great promise he made in the upper room on Monday, Thursday. At the beginning of the discourse around the table, John 14, 1 to 3. You know the words well. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe in also in me. In my Father's house there are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. For I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself that you may be where I am. Jesus' great desire, which he saves for near the end of his prayer, Jesus' will is that you and I be with him, where he is, with him. Father, I want them to be with me where I am. And where is that? I do not know. I wish I did. Exactly. I do know it is not far. And I do know it is with the Father. But exactly where that is, I do not know. But wherever it is, He wills that we be there with Him. In the bosom of the Father, says the beloved disciple who lays his head on Jesus' heart. Jesus is in the bosom of the Father. Always was, always will be. And He wants us to be there with Him. Be with me where I am. This is what I will, Father. Now, the language is the language of marital intimacy. I pointed out before that when Jesus says, there are many rooms in my Father's house and I go to prepare a place for you, he's echoing language used in the betrothal service of the first century. A groom would come from his Father's house to the bride's house and make arrangements with the bride's father. And then... Over a cup of wine, he would speak the betrothal covenant words. I go to my father's house to prepare a place for you. And when I have prepared a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself that you can be with me where I am. Father, I desire that those you have given me be with me where I am. And not just with. But verse 24, in order that they may behold my glory. Goodness, we've already beheld his glory in deeds of mercy, in deeds of healing, in deeds of liberation on the cross when he gives his life for the life of the world. But apparently there is more to see. I want them to behold my glory. I cannot convey to you how much this part of Jesus' prayer means to me. I love Jesus, as do many of you. And I want to know Jesus, as do many of you. I want to see him. I want to see him just as he is. I don't want any distortions. I want to know him just as he is. Father, Jesus says, I will them to behold. <laughs> He wants me to see. He wants you to see. He wants our loved ones to see. He wants our co-workers and neighbors to see. I am going to see. And you are going to see. I can only imagine, sings the Mercy Me Band. 
I can only imagine what it'll be like when I walk by your side. I can only imagine what my eyes will see when your face is before me. I can only imagine, surrounded by your glory, what will my heart feel? Will I dance for you, Jesus, or in awe of you be still? Will I stand in your presence, or to my knees will I fall? Will I sing hallelujah, or will I be able to sing at all? Father, I want Daryl to be with me where I am to see me. Wow. He says the same thing about you. In the meantime, Jesus keeps praying. <laughs> you mean there's more? <laughs> I mean, what more would he want after that? Verse 25. Oh, righteous father. Earlier, it was holy father. Holy and righteous. Pull it all together. Holy, pure, radiant, whole, righteous, just, faithful. Faithful to relationships. Father of faithful relationships. Father who writes all relationships. Oh, righteous Father, the world is not knowing you, but I've known you. And my disciples know you sent me. And I have made your name known to them and will make it known. Apparently, there is more to come. Apparently, there's a whole lot more to learn. As Jonathan Edwards used to emphasize, it will take an eternity for us to experience all the fullness of God. And Jesus says he's going to take us farther up and further into all of it. He keeps praying. <laughs> you mean there's even more? Yes, verse 26. Listen, in order that... Ready? In order that... Ready? In order that the love you have for me, yes, in order that the love you have for me may be in them. Mercy, mercy, mercy. There is no greater love in all the universe than the love the Father has for his Son. And Jesus says that he's going to continue unfolding the Father's name until we know that the Father loves us in the same way and to the same degree that he loves his Son. This is why New Testament scholar Craig Keener can then write, God's love for Jesus' followers is of the same character as his love for his unique Son, Jesus, so that in the end... All of Jesus' true disciples become the beloved disciple. All become the beloved disciple. Not just John. All are the beloved disciple. Someone years ago gave me a plaque. I have it in my office. Daryl, the beloved disciple. But I, I was too shy to put that up, so it's flat on the, on the shelf. I thought it was too audacious. I mean, you walk into my office, Daryl, beloved disciple. But after this prayer, I'm going to put it up. Because that's who I am. And that's who you are. Someone can give you that plaque. Beloved disciple. That's what Jesus is praying for us. He wants all of us to know the lavish, eternal, servant love the Father has for him. And he wants us to know that's the same love he has for us. And one more thing he prays. <laughs> Verse 26, in order that the love you have for me may be in them, ready, and I in them. There's that little preposition again, in, I, in them. You cannot get closer than in. And that is what Jesus wants. I am moved by the fact that the last line 
of his last will and testament is I in them. Not amen. You notice that? He doesn't end the prayer. Amen. Not for yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. He doesn't end the prayer. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. He ends the prayer. I in them. This is the last word he speaks to them before he goes to the cross. I in them. Why end the prayer there? Because if Jesus is in us, as E. Stanley Jones has taught us, then everything that is in Jesus is in us. In Jesus is the Father. In Jesus is the Spirit. In Jesus is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. In, in them. I, in them. Now this explains so much of what is going on in our lives right now. Here, I simply have to read a familiar text from C.S. Lewis. It's from his book, Mere Christianity. I think I've quoted this every year that I've served you. <laughs> Lewis writes, Imagine yourself in a living house. God comes to rebuild that house. I guess I'm thinking about this a lot because what I shared a couple weeks ago, one of my favorite programs is HTV and all those uh, you know, changing. So next time you watch that, think of this. Imagine yourself as a living house. God comes to rebuild that house. The ultimate flip work here. At first, perhaps, you can understand what he's doing. He's getting the drains right. He's stopping the leaks in the roof and so on. You knew those jobs needed doing, and so you're not surprised. Right? But, presently, he starts knocking the house about in a way that hurts abominably and does not seem to make sense. Ever experienced that? Like, what's going on here? What on earth is going on? The explanation is that he's building quite a different house from the one you thought of. Throwing out a new wing here, putting on an extra floor there, running up towers, making courtyards. And then he writes this. You thought you were going to be made into a decent little cottage. He is building a palace. And he intends to come and live in it himself. I in them. It's the most sacred space I know in all the universe. John 17. Where the one who made us prays for us. Father, Holy Father, Righteous Father, the hour has come. It is time for you to manifest your essential nature and character so that I can manifest your nature and character. It is time for my disciples and for the world to see the fullness of glory, to see the fullness of our self-emptying love. Father, I want you to keep those you've given me in your name. I want you to keep them from the evil one. I want you to set them apart for you and your purposes in the world. I want my joy to be made full in themselves. I want them to be one by being brought into our oneness. You and me, I and you, they and us. I want them to be where I am to behold my glory. I want them to know how much you love them, that you love them the same way you have always loved me. And Father, I want to be in them. That is what Jesus wants. That is for what he prays. That is what he wills for us. And when he had finished saying these things, says John, he went forth to the cross, to glory, to make 
all he prayed for happened. To him be all the glory and honor and praise forever and ever.